just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic with me, Jess Bryan. Spotlight On is something new and a little bit different to the normal interviews. This is a chance to shine a spotlight on something that's in the That's So Chronic world. Today, we are chatting about medicinal cannabis. I know nothing about cannabis, and judging from some of the comments sections on Facebook, I've realised not a lot of people do either. So, I wanted to learn more. You'll notice the disclaimer at the beginning of this episode, and I think it's important to remind you that this episode isn't telling you how to live your life. You can do you. In this episode, we hear from Sophia. Sophia was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when she was 15. Stage I'd had over 10 years of really bad chronic pain. I also chat with Dr. Anna Harvey. I know, that's why I'm so enthusiastic about it. Anna has been a general practitioner for over 25 years and currently works as a doctor at the Cannabis Clinic in Auckland. One of our aims is to just make it much more accessible for people and that the information is there. Buckle up, folks. We are about to learn some stuff. Welcome to That's So Chronic. First, we're going to learn some scientific explanations. What actually is medicinal cannabis? Let's break it down. We hear of CBD and THC, but what even is that? Both cannabinoids are made by the cannabis plant in the flower, along with actually a whole lot of other potentially medicinal um, substances as well. In fact, I think there's a, they've estimated at least 100, 150 different cannabinoids. Wow. Plus there's other terpenoids and flavonoids as well, which have some medicinal properties. So why would we use CBD medicinally? For the CBD, um, anxiety is probably the number one. So, and of course, that is a very, very common symptom for many, many people. And it's a sort of like a hidden disability that I, you know, that is really out there in a big way. I'm seeing also people with, say, autistic spectrum or ADHD, you know, those sorts of diagnoses. They also are often very anxious, you know, so it seems to come with that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And anything where there's sort of nervous, what I call nervous system overwhelm, you know, it's just things get too much. So, I mean, migraines is a good example of that. There's lots of kind of variations on the theme of anxiety and stress. The other thing is that a lot of people have, um, you know, pain or some sort of musculoskeletal problem. So it could be that, you know, they've strained a shoulder or a knee or, or a hip or something maybe they've had a trauma and then there's been some difficulty with the rehab you know people with um, back problems in fact that whole area of musculoskeletal problems or achy parts of the body that um, don't seem to heal or just keep re- you know recurring in- injuries so they are another group and chronic pain with all its variations and why would we use thc Different cannabinoids can also help in different ways. So sometimes what works best if someone's got chronic pain is actually a combination of a CBD product and a a product that's higher in THC. 
So I I talk to the patients about step one being CBD because it's the safest one and it's the easiest one to obtain uh, medically at the moment. So any doctor can write a script for CBD yeah. because it's very safe. So, But step two, which is to add in a THC-containing product, is often needed, particularly if someone has... Um, chronic pain so for chronic pain we we think more towards the THC and for the anxiety the CBD but it's not just pain and anxiety that can benefit there's all sorts of other interesting neurological conditions that can also be helped by um, cannabinoids so I mean Tourette syndrome uh, you know epilepsy uh, you know like one of my patients is a young boy with cerebral palsy who did very very well with with CBD you know so those sorts of conditions often there's a combination there can be with a neurological condition is that they can have a lot of muscle tension and that's to do perhaps with issues of the nerves in the brain you know somehow being inflamed or or having some problems and then that ends up with spasticity of some sort in the body one of the first indications that got sort of general approval for medicinal cannabis was actually multiple sclerosis hey that's me yeah so but it doesn't it doesn't have to be multiple i know what you're thinking this is too good to be true how is this even possible Dr. Anna understands. You know, and initially I didn't really understand it either, but I then went back to look at the um, the research and we have this thing called our own endocannabinoid system. So we actually make cannabinoids. We didn't know that we did wow. until we, you know, studied how the so-called phytocannabinoids, which are the ones from the plant, um, how they interact with our system. It seems to be like the dimmer switch or the way that the nervous system sort of balances itself so that you don't have overstimulation. Okay, so that's quite a lot to digest. By now, I'm finding that it's all very well and good listening to the theory behind this medicine, but how does it actually affect a patient? Enter Sophia. Like I said before, Sophia was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when she was 15. Crohn's is an inflammatory bowel disease that can affect the small and large intestine, resulting in a huge range of side effects. Here's how Crohn's looks for Sophia. For me, because I have it in my small bowel, so like my small intestine, uh, most of my symptoms are to do with the fact that my small bowel is basically swollen and ulcerated, like the skin inside is ulcerated. So I feel it kind of when food goes through that can cause pain. And then there's just pain from it being inflamed it can be like quite a bit of vomiting and stuff like that like I guess the practical things is you don't pick up as much nutrients from food and things like that even if I'm trying to eat super nutrient based stuff like I get a lot of questions like diet a it has to get past being super painful not being vomited back up and then if it goes through I only think like a little bit of it is being taken in so fatigue is a massive one for me that's kind of the worst one I feel like an old lady when everyone else is like young for me it's the most kind of painful symptom for me at the moment it it chops and changes all the time I'd be spending like three to four days in bed a week don't think I could work you know where I have to get out of bed for sure so many days but that again is kind of frustrating too that there are no oh that's a big symptom like there are no certainties 
I guess. And everything is like inconstant. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> Not constant. Side note, Sophia is definitely getting her own episode. So stay tuned for that. But what I really wanted to know is that she's been using medicinal cannabis. I'm just going to call it weed because that's how I refer to it. Sorry, weed for about a year now. And I was wondering what inspired her to give it a go. My original relationship with weed as we know it in New Zealand was probably like the normal kids growing up. I actually didn't really like it that much. You know, I would use it here and there. But it was when I went back up north to Whangarei to live with my mum when I was really sick, where that's when I started to see it being used much more medicinally. The attitude towards weed up there is it's it's really diverse and it's really interesting. I'm half Māori and some of my family and people that I knew who were cultivating weed for medicinal use, cooking with it and stuff like that and just using like old, old recipes that, you know, had kind of been passed down with generations, you know, used alongside kawakawa and stuff like that. And so it really kind of started my thinking at the time of, okay, maybe this could be a good pain relief because at the time as well, I would say anyone, I guess, who deals with chronic pain and has dealt with kind of like pain team stuff, you know, there's always a perpetual fear that we are going to be, um, our pain relief is going to be taken away from us. And at that stage, I'd had over 10 years of really bad chronic pain and was trying to figure out ways to manage that symptom, but not just that symptom, you know, like finding like a pain relief that would allow me to continue functioning. I remember the first time I smoked some weed. What happened? Oh my God, it was like magic for the first time I could eat. You know, I was eating, my stomach was full, my body felt completely different. There was no kind of that low throbbing pain that I, I reckon that you would probably know as well, that just bodily pain, like it's throughout your entire body. Like I can pinpoint a lot of my pain to my stomach, but it's not just that, you know, it's the hunched shoulders over my stomach, it's the back, it's everything. And um, it was an amazing experience for me. And that's when I first was like, right, I think I need to kind of figure this out and figure out a way to incorporate this into my pain relief routine. Where did you start? So I started off just kind of, you know, smoking it normally with friends. But then very quickly, I wanted to see, and, and as people I knew around me, were using it, you know, for food and in baths and stuff like that. I still haven't used it in a bath, although I have heard like really good results and I can imagine really good results now that I'm using a can of balm, which is just insane, very topical, doesn't get you high. But so I started cooking. I had some friends who were cooking and they just kind of showed me the roots, pretty simple. My mum was very supportive of this just because she had seen the pain and stuff like that. She's not like pro-weed or anything like that. <laughs> She's definitely not. Although I, although I hope I might have changed her opinion a bit over the years. I think I have. But, you know, there was just a lot of experimentation of, you know, making a butter, a coconut oil as a base and then making things on top of that and then trialing with that kind of things. Edibles are a whole different deal. They're very body high. It sounds like such a process. It definitely is a process and I would encourage everyone to go about their process. Like this is why I kind of wish we had depositories, you know, in New Zealand where you could go and know exactly what dose you're taking and, and be able to eat, say, one gummy and then know what that's going to feel like. When you're just doing it at home, it's pretty tough to know the dosage of what you're taking. Sophia then explained to me that she bought a herb vape, which allows you to control the temperature that the weed is burned. 
This means that she can control how much THC and CBD she is taking and adjust accordingly for her symptoms. That pen changed my life. When do you use this pen? So, I mean, I'm going to be using that most evenings when I'm really in pain. I don't know if you experience this, but for me, by the end of the day, if I've been having like quite naggy pain or my body starts to get really exhausted, come evening, I'm going to want to take a pain relief. I know for me what I'm on is methadone and that'll mean I can't sleep. That'll mean, you know, I'm going to be off my face for like the next few hours. It's it's a good pain relief in terms of like actually stops the pain, but it does make me quite struggle to function. And so I would just rather not. And so that's where we came in for me, especially, you know, um, I went through a period where I was really struggling to eat. And that, of course, was making my fatigue worse. So in order to kind of like get all my stuff done and then relax, um, try and take a load off in terms of pain, body aches, be hungry and try and look forward to some food. I'd just smoke a little bit then with my pen. I was at my doctor's the other day, at my specialist, my gastro specialist, and I was telling him how, you know, when I am using that weed, I only need to take my methadone maybe once or twice a week. And that's compared to daily, which is what is prescribed. And so that's huge for me. That enables me to function normally does it help with the stomach pain I mean that's why I use it my my stomach is so sore 90% of the time for me to be hungry means that my stomach must be like on a pain scale of one to two and I'm barely ever on a pain scale like usually my pain would sit between like a four to six depending how it's going and um and to get it down to a one or two that's all on weed mostly doing that for me and that's why I would say that I smoke like most days a little bit of context currently in New Zealand medicinal cannabis is legal CBD oil was legalized in 2017 and recently in April 2020 THC products were legalized GPs can prescribe and all pharmacies can dispense However, there are only these products available. We are relatively restricted in comparison. So we have CBD products, but the CBD products that we have are a limited range and they're usually quite low in THC. So they're an oil with a dropper, yeah, and you take them by mouth. So at the moment, there's no, on the medicinal scheme, there's no um, potentials to inhale cannabis but I think that could potentially be there in the future and the price medicinal cannabis is actually really expensive because there are no subsidies we're talking now again it depends on dose probably somewhere between three and maybe ten dollars a day Dr Anna works for the Cannabis Clinic in Auckland, so I asked her what it is that they do exactly. The Cannabis Clinic is a a doctor-led clinic where people can come and have a consultation about medicinal cannabis. And then there's also a part of the clinic where you can actually purchase medicinal cannabis products as well. It's designed to be a bit of a one-stop shop, but we're not the only people out there that can prescribe or dispense medicinal cannabis. And what can a patient expect when they arrive for an appointment? 
probably the first way you perhaps would know about us would either be word of mouth or through our website. And we get you to fill out quite a comprehensive form and detail about why you want to, why you're interested in medicinal cannabis, what your health issues are. And then we also ask various questions to sort of screen you in terms of your suitability for medicinal cannabis. And then you get booked in with one of the cannabis clinic doctors. And at the moment, most of our consultations are actually happening via Zoom, which actually works well for this because it's really more a discussion. We don't necessarily need to examine people. Mm -hmm. It's really about finding out where they're at, what they're, you know, whether they're suitable, explaining the options, and then sort of facilitating them having a trial of medicinal cannabis. There's this common thought out there that you will take some of your medicinal cannabis and be blissed out, lying on the couch, eating a bag of crisps for the rest of the day, completely high. Is that what happens? Will you get high? Well, I think it can if you take... I mean, THC is the psychoactive cannabinoid. So with THC, you it's very dose-related. So if you take a high dose of THC, yes, you can get exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That is, you know, we would call that the stoned effect, yeah? yeah? But maybe that's a good thing? That's exactly what I did. But that's also exactly what I needed um, was like this deep relaxation you know, um, this deep kind of settling in in my body and also that sense of euphoria and everything is okay. You know, the stoned effect isn't all negative, um, but it is kind of a bit contextual in that if you if you are going to get those that fatigued effect, you know what you're talking about, if that is something that maybe you need because you can't sleep, for instance. So, you know, it has its place, but you've got to be careful that you're using it correctly and in the right situation for those that I know who um, are chronically ill long-term kind of like sufferers of pain and fatigue and stuff like that the day-to-day can become quite anxiety inducing and and exhausting just mentally physically everything being able to sit down and smoke some weed you just get to relax and and not just physically but mentally all that kind of shit just settles and it all feels okay and I think it is actually those moments of everything feeling okay is really rare for a lot of us especially who who are stuck in systems like who are currently stuck in systems such as the hospital system there's so much that is beyond our control and that was a powerful thing for me uh, emotionally and mentally was to kind of feel that sense of you know, everything in me and, and how things are functioning right now and how things are going, everything is okay. Sophia brought up a really great point in our conversation, which is something I hadn't thought about before. The issue around the accessibility of medicine when it's in a system. Going about it in that systematic way does scare me a little bit because I don't want to be chained to a system that kind of like controls it. And so I think why this journey has been really powerful for me is that I had to become the expert for myself and really kind of figure it out, uh, figure out what worked for me. And I think that there's something really powerful about that. And I think that more of us should be encouraged to do that. I think that makes the the job very satisfying. Yeah. You know, they already know they want it and I'm really facilitating 
them having, you know, to trying it for themselves. And I think, you know, that's, for me, that's a part of healing too, that people find out what they want and they, you know, they really go, I want to try this. Power to us individually, like working out what's best for us and the emphasis on that I think is really important. I mean, you know how it works in in hospital and stuff like that, but even not in hospital, just being in the medical system, so much of it is completely out of our control. There's like a sense of it being in our control, a huge, you know, respective patient and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, everyone else is deemed the expert rather than us. It's the system. The system is absolutely shot, but don't even get me started. We can save that for another day. New Zealanders are being asked to vote yes or no on October the 17th in a referendum asking whether New Zealand should legalise cannabis. I ask Sophia and Dr Anna what this referendum means for them and for others who use medicinal cannabis. Gosh, I just really hope that it's legalised for so many reasons. I think I'm actually really for a yes in the referendum because I think at the moment we have quite a high amount of uh, cannabis being consumed in the community, but it's illegal. I think that weed is such a vital healing property and to, to access that legally is something that I think should be a right for everyone considering that a lot of us access it illegally and have no consequences whatsoever. Um, My experiences up north were the first time that I ever saw people uh, properly kind of like arrested and stuff while carrying tiny amounts of weed and I met a lot of kids that went through the system and got well thrown into the system for that reason. I come from a place of massive privilege. I'm super white. Um, I am Māori but I just present super white, uh, middle, upper class and I see a lot of us who love to use weed for whatever reasons and I think that is completely up to you but if you are allowed to use it uh, even illegally if you're able to use it without any repercussions everyone should be and if you're using it continuously then um, clearly you think that that's something that everyone should have access to. I think that although we've got medicinal cannabis as we talked before it is still very expensive and also there are a lot of barriers so cannabis clinic is breaking down some of those barriers but there's still a lot of people out there that would benefit from having access to high quality cannabis products. For people who aren't okay with weed use, I would use the example of my father who has been like a straight, he's quite right, he's quite conservative. He's watched how much the use of weed has changed my life. Um, even as it's illegal. And he, his whole concept has completely changed. Um, he's now running around bringing me, you know, articles about this cannabis clinic and the use of cannabis and pain relief and stuff like that because all the things that he believed, such as kind of the propaganda anti-weed or the anti-drugs movement that our parents kind of went through, um, is a lot of it's just not true, you know? So I think if, If we had a yes in the referendum, my sense is that it would mean that there would be improved access, that the products could potentially be cheaper, significantly cheaper for the consumer. 
And when you've got something that is really helpful for a lot of people, you know, I think that should be a priority. Oh, the other thing that I, I don't think people appreciate is that although we have medicinal cannabis, it's actually very limited, the options. If we had a, uh, a lifting of the prohibition, there would be all sorts of other options that would be available. And most of them are the non-psychoactive options, like the raw cannabis, the cannabis teas. These these things have quite um, a lot of medicinal properties and they're not psychoactive. The whole recreational uh, getting out of its side is actually just a small part of cannabis. A, a bit of a distraction on some levels, yeah, to all the all the real medicinal ben- benefits and health and health benefits you know you you can cannabis can be part of a healthy lifestyle i would ask a listener who is against the use of weed and for it to be legalized legalized i'd ask for first and foremost some compassion for people that it does support and help of which there are many of us and secondly i'd ask for you to do your own fact checking and do your own research and i think i'm going to leave it there I've been editing this episode and sifting through nearly three hours of audio, so this really could go on and on. I knew nothing about medicinal cannabis at the beginning of this, and now I feel educated. I'm really glad and proud that medicinal cannabis is legal in New Zealand, but it does make me so sad that something that is helping so many people in our That's So Chronic community is still proving to be quite inaccessible. Now, I know that we have listeners tuning in from all around the world, so I would love to hear from you about this. Send me an email or a DM on Instagram. It's at That's So Chronic. Also, if there's anything else you would like me to shine a spotlight on, I am totally open to suggestions. This has been really fun. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, leave a review and tell everyone you know. That helps me get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and more importantly, hope.